0: This episode of The Yarn is sponsored by Heinemann and their professional book, Risk, Fail, Rise, A Teacher's Guide to Learning from Mistakes. Colby talked with author M. Colleen Cruz about the book.
1: My new book is called Risk, Fail, Rise, and it's a book that directly attacks, addresses, discusses, idea of mistakes in learning and teaching. But I think what makes it different than maybe other books that sort of tackle this is it's about what we as teachers do as much as it is about what students do. I think that we as educators often talk about how mistakes are part of learning, but I think what we sometimes don't do is look at how the systems that we as teachers create and perpetuate make mistake-making for learning's sake almost impossible. My hope for the book is to destigmatize the idea of mistake making and to look at our mistake practices and make sure that that our practices are matching the words that we're saying when it comes to mistakes in the learning process.
0: Your classroom could be a place of risk-taking and growth for all students. Risk-fail-rise will show you how. Visit Heinemann.com to learn more and order a copy.
2: Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today's episode features author Rajani LaRocca. I chatted with Miss LaRocca a few weeks ago. We talked about her beautiful 2021 verse novel, Red, White, and Whole, what it is like being a doctor during the day and an author at night, and her hope for her new book. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Rujani. Give us the elevator pitch for Red, White, and Whole. So
0: I will show you the beautiful cover. Red, White, and Whole is a novel in verse, so written in poetry, in free verse, and it is set in 1983. And it is about Reha, who is the 13-year-old daughter of Indian immigrants, Mm -hmm. who feels torn between the worlds of her um, parents and their immigrant community, and her friends at school and like 80s pop culture. And just like other teenagers, um, she loves Cindy Lauper. She loves to watch MTV. She wants to wear eighties fashions, but um, her parents and especially her mom um, have different ideas about what is suitable for a girl her age to do. And you know, one of the things she wants to do is she finally, as an eighth grader, kind of wants to go to the middle school dance for the first time because she kind of likes someone for the first time. Um, and her mom is really not interested in it. Um, but then her mom is diagnosed with leukemia, which is a kind of blood cancer, and um, Reha feels torn in a completely different way. And she wonders, she, she kind of blames herself for being worried about all these things like fitting in and you know, being like other kids and thinks that if she could just be the perfect daughter, the daughter that her parents want her to be, that she can somehow help her mom get better.
2: It is, such, it is such a beautiful book. I love hearing, hearing you talk about it. Uh, one of the things I was so fascinated about throughout the book is this common idea that's in her head of being stuck between two different worlds. And it comes up over and over and over again. Is that something that was a part of the book from the very beginning? And talk a little bit about um, just how you were able to weave that throughout the story.
0: Yeah, so... You know, it's really interesting. This, this book came to me as a metaphor and the metaphor was blood. And I I thought about blood and all that it means in terms of like biology, of course, that's what part of what the title refers to red, white and whole refers to red cells, white cells and whole blood. So um, that's part of it. But also what it means in terms of family and kind of what your parents give to you, what your ancestors give to you and also what it means in terms of community. So I knew this was a story about um, a girl who felt caught between places. And um, uh, yeah, so I, I think it was from part of the story from the very beginning. And um, in many ways, it mirrors a lot of what I experienced when I was a kid. Um, I, I was 13 in 1983. I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, where we had a small Indian community, but not a huge one. So we kind of like, all hung out together, which was great. And I, I mean, I have to say that I felt like a completely normal American teenager. And then I would go home on the weekends and I would spend all weekend with my parents and with our Indian friends. And part of me was like, well, which one is the real me? Like, is it mm-hmm. the person that goes to school all week or is it the person that's here on the weekends? And I felt that kind of sense. And, um, you know, we had uh, we had extended family in India. We would go every few years and see them uh, during the summer. And I felt like, "Wow, in the US, I'm not quite sure that I'm like I fit in here." And then I would go to India and I'd be like, "Wow, like everyone may look like me, but I don't feel like I fit in here either."
2: How do you feel now?
0: Oh, I as a, you know as an adult, I think as somebody as you get older, you realize that you decide where you belong. And so you know I, I was lucky enough to find the person that I was gonna marry very young uh, in life. and um so we were together and we were um a family like very like quickly and um he's not Indian. he's Italian American and his family has been nothing but wonderful to me and my family's been wonderful to him and uh, and it worked. <laughs> and so um you know I part of why I think I wrote this book was that I wanted to tell my past self that it can work out, that you decide um, where you belong and who you belong to, and you find the people who get you and understand you and love you.
2: What do you think your past self uh, would think of how things have turned out?
0: (laughs) Well, I think she'd be really um, excited and happy. Um, I think she would be horrified that I wrote a book about it. (laughs) (laughs) She'd be like, why did you take like the most embarrassing moments of my life and put it in a book? Um, you know, and to be clear, this is not a memoir. This is definitely fiction. Um, but there are emotions in this book and like thoughts that I, that like came right from the thoughts I had when I was 13.
2: I'm fascinated that, um, that with the setting of, of like you growing up in Louisville, Kentucky and talking about that. Uh, I just knowing the impact that it had uh, on for instance, I just read a book about uh, Kwame Alexander and James Patterson's becoming Muhammad Ali and the fact just what it was like for him growing up in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm sure that a lot of cities um share similar things and have their own uniqueness to them. Uh do you think that things are similar to what they were like when you grew up in Louisville in the 80s? Do you and, and I know they've been in the in the news as well uh for mm-hmm. not so great things this past year with Brianna Taylor. So how would you describe Louisville and what you remember of it and what you know about it well, now?
0: I I loved growing up in Louisville. It was it was a wonderful place to grow up. Um it had a lot of culture. Um it had you know it has an opera, it has a ballet, it has like a fine arts center. Like it was a pretty remarkable place. And um you know, I will. I, I say this. Reha feels this in the book because the community that she grows up in really is very much like the place that I grew up in. So, you know, as an immigrant, um, it's interesting. You know that your experience can be very different depending on where you uh, live. And the community was large enough that there were people around, like, who shared um, kind of what it was like to be an immigrant at the time. Um, when we first moved there, like you know, there was no Indian grocery store. Like it was a, it was just a completely different world, you know. And then as we lived there, you know, more and more people came, and there were all these kind of interesting things that popped up, including Indian groceries. Um, but uh, but because it was a small community, we kind of hung out with everybody. And so that was really wonderful because when when communities get large enough, at least Indian communities, there are so many languages, so many religions, so many regions of the country that are varied. And most of the time, people hang out with people who speak their language exclusively. And for example, I had cousins who grew up in Houston, Texas, which has an enormous Indian community. And when I went to visit them at one point, they were like, oh yeah, you know, I was like, all your friends, like they all come from the same part of India. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, I can't even comprehend that. That's like so wild to me. But anyway, so I got to meet a wide variety of people from a wide variety of places. And that made like, that was wonderful. And Louisville itself is a very progressive, welcoming city. They used to have these things in the summer called heritage weekends where they, um, they would have like, you know, different communities on each weekend of the summer. And then people would come and we would make food and there would be dance some um, performances and there'd be music and all kinds of stuff. We used to have a ball, like we, you know, basically like all year long, we'd plan for the next summer and then get ready to perform and do all our things. It was, it was a great place mm-hmm. it, and um, I loved it there, but you know, it was a smaller place compared to some other places that I've lived in. And um, by the end of high school, I was like, you know, I feel like I know everybody. <laughs> which was not true, but it felt like that. And I was like, I, I kind of need to get out of here and get someplace bigger. So I came to school in the Boston area and then we never left. And that's where I am now. But I, yeah, I love
2: Louisville. I'm so fascinated by how people's journeys to what people, what the journey of an author is like. like. How in the world did this girl from Louisville who went to medical school and is a practicing doctor also writes middle grade fiction. I just don't understand how that works. So can you talk about like when you first loved writing or maybe you hated writing and how in the world this all came together?
0: Okay, so I should warn you if you haven't figured this out yet, I am a strange person. (laughs) Those are the best kind. (laughs) Exactly. I've always been a little weird, okay? I've always liked lots of things, like lots of things. I, there are actually very few things that I don't like learning about. Like, I actually, I can't think about things that I, I don't, can't think of a thing that I wouldn't want to learn about. And um, so I loved books. I loved books, like was obsessed with them from a very, very, very young age. Like I was just like, I was that kid and I'm an only child. So I was always like at the table with a book and bless my parents. They just let me read whatever it was I wanted to read. They were not gonna complain about that. So I read a lot. And I, I wrote a decent amount, like, probably, like, creatively, but not very well. Um, and I will tell you, but I also knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a doctor. And it was because of a book. There was a book called, let's see if I have it here. Oh, I don't see it right now. Oh, here it is. Hold on. It's out of print, but I managed to find it. It's called Ouch. all about hurts and uh, all about cuts and other hurts. Okay. All right. This is like from like 1977. Okay. And I have to tell you, I can still remember the diagram of, Oh, where is it? Let's see. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay guys. So I read this, this is like when you get cut and like the little blood vessel, this little capillary breaks and then the blood comes out and the white blood cells come and like heal things. And, And then there's the platelet plug and the fibrin and the scab that forms. Okay. I still remember that. I remember reading this book and being like, that's too cool that like all this stuff happens and you don't have to think about it and it just happens and like you get better. Right. And so I knew kind of early on, I was like, I want to do this, but I also loved reading and I loved writing. And I I tell this to kids um, during school visits because it was a teacher who opened the door for me because I thought I'm going to go into medicine. I'm not going to write. I was in a creative writing class in high school and my teacher, Mr. Hertzfeld said to me, who says you have to choose? Mm. And then he brought in all these books by doctors who were also authors. What? That's and so brilliant. Like, right. It was amazing. It was amazing. And so it planted the seed in my head and I was like, okay, I was like, I'm just going to like, let this, See what, we'll see what happens. So I went to college and I kept writing, but then I went to medical school and like that was the end of writing because it was just, it was too much information that I had to absorb. And then I went to residency and that was, I was working a hundred hour weeks and I couldn't do anything, any writing then. And then I had little kids, which <laughs> is also, was also an yes. obstacle to me writing. <laughs> but then they got older and I was kind of practicing, I'd been practicing medicine for a while and I thought to myself, how how do I get back to being creative? And I was like, maybe I should write something. And so I started just taking classes online and then I met other writers. And that was the, like, that was it. Like I met other writers and when there's somebody out there who's like waiting for your next chapter, you have to keep going. And um, so I kept going. <laughs> and, once, and once you keep going, then the, the ideas keep bombarding you and then you can't
2: stop. Did you just Google like writing classes online? Like how does, what does yeah. that process?
0: Yeah, yes. I Googled writing classes online initially. I My first classes I took with writers.com. I wasn't sure what kind of writing I wanted to do. Um, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of doctors write essays and nonfiction and that kind of stuff. But I knew, I knew I wanted to do something in the fiction vein. And pretty soon it became clear to me that I wanted to write for children because- those were the books that stuck with me the most, the books that I read when I was middle grade age. And I was like, oh my goodness, like if I remember this now, and I, that's what I want to write. That's like where my heart lies. And I think that middle grade is kind of where my voice naturally falls. Like I think I'm kind of mentally 12 years old.
2: Says the doctor, says the doctor, of course. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. so Yeah. And then, but like I said, it was in, and then I took in-person classes at uh, Grub Street in Boston. And that's where I met a bunch of other writers. And then I joined SCBWI and that was it. That was the beginning of the end (laughs) or the end of the beginning, maybe.
2: (laughs) So how long from when you Googled how to take a writing class until you sold your first book? So I took my first
0: online Mm -hmm. writing class in 2011 and I sold my first book in 2018. Okay. Yeah, I got my agent at the end of 2017 and then we sold, but well, we sold five books that year in 2018. So then it just became this thing. And then, and this book was the book that I had in my heart and in my head when I was working on another book and I wasn't kind of allowed to work on this book cause I had to finish another book. And so it was like my Friday night date on friday nights i'd be like i'm allowed to think about this book i didn't even write that much i would just be like okay i'm just going to think about it and like think about things that i might do and um read other verse novels and you know kind of study up like that it was it was pretty cool um and then so when i wrote the book it like it was like pouring out of me it was like i couldn't write fast enough
2: do you feel that Like going to med school and going through residency and putting in all of that time that I guess delayed gratification and satisfaction helped you in this process? Because that's a long time to go from writers.com to published book.
0: That's such an interesting, I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. You know, maybe. So, but here's the thing. When you go to medical school and residency, you know the date. Mm-hmm. On which you get your degree. Like you know the date on which you're allowed to have a full license in medicine and practice. Um, with writing, it is much more of a leap of faith. And I don't think I was really, I I, I wasn't necessarily writing for publication when I was, you know, when I first started writing, I was like, I just want to write and see what happens. And it was about like two, two years in, I would say, that I was like, huh, okay, I think, I think I want to be published. And then the next year I drafted my first novel. And, you know, I didn't know how to write a novel, so it just took me forever. <laughs> it took me. It took me um, three years to get it into the shape that I thought it should be in, um, in order to get an agent and and hopefully sell it. And um, yeah, but it was wor- it was time well spent. And in the meantime, I was writing a bunch of picture books and stuff like that too. And this book was uh, much. It was drafted much more quickly than that. Thank goodness.
2: <laughs> so I I love novels in verse, but I don't really like understand what makes them great. Like I loved your book and I could tell that it was really great, but what do you think like makes a novel in verse great? Cause I don't, I don't, I feel like I understand yeah. like other books, but I just, I don't get it. I love them and I know when I love them, but I don't understand why. Like to you, what makes a novel in verse great?
0: Okay. So I think, Novels and verse combine the best elements of poetry and novels. So I love poetry. I love language. I love the idea of being able to tell somebody a lot or convey a lot of emotion, especially with very few words. Um, But if it's a novel, something also has to happen. There has to be some kind of plot. And so I think that for a, a highly um emotional, very interior story, novel and verse might be the perfect way to tell it uh, you know, red, white and whole deals with um, some difficult issues and uh and basically inside has had the whole time, right and I feel like poetry gives you enough space on the page to breathe even with emotional issues and to um, to be able to deal with them because you don't spend that much time reading the words so you can spend more time thinking about what they mean and to me novels and verse talk about or they tell a story about a highly emotional topic or a highly emotional event um, in a way that is palatable to me but honestly what i love most about them are the musicality of the words the beauty of the language. Um and the spare way in which they suck you in. Um, I, I just, I think that it's, they're just amazing. And the novels that I read in preparation for writing this book all made me feel that way. Um, uh, Other Words for Home, Inside Out and Back Again, The Poet X, um, Blood Water Paint, uh, All of Me, um, Emmy in the uh, Key of Code, there um, are just so many amazing novels and verse for young readers, and um, I just tried to pay attention how they made me feel, and, uh, and, and just tried to channel that.
2: Was the plan always for this to be a novel in verse? It was
0: when the idea first came to me, I was like, I think this needs to be in verse. And then I, the next thought I had was, but I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to do that. And like, I've never written anything in verse before. Um, I write picture books that are, you know, that can be lyrical and some of them are in rhyme, um, but I was like, oh, like an entire story, like a novel. Like, I don't know if I can do that, but I just tried.
2: <laughs> I think it worked out pretty well for you. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, And I found this year, I don't know what it is about this year. I am loving reading novels and verse aloud to my fifth graders. So we began the year with Jacqueline Woodson's Before the Ever After. And we're currently reading Megan Freeman's Alone. Mm, I haven't read that one. It's just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm also wearing a mask. So it's like selfishly less words to read into my mask. But uh, I don't know. It's just, I think what you said about just giving, giving it space and giving them more time to... To just absorb it and and be be there and present in the words, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. One last question: What is your hope for Red, White, and Whole?
0: Oh, well, I will tell you that uh, as somebody who loved books like from a very young age, but who never really saw her my own experience. Um, reflected in a book until I was an adult um, but still empathized with every character I ever read about. I hope that readers see themselves in this story um, that they can help that, that it helps them understand what somebody else who's going through something difficult might be going through um, and to uh, understand that uh, we Decide where we belong. That even when you feel torn apart, or that you don't know if you're good enough, um, or if you fit with a certain group of people, that to seek out the ones who um, care about you and support you, um, and that your story matters, no matter who you are. Um, I don't think at thirteen. I mean, if I were a thirteen, if me at thirteen thinking about writing a story like this, I would have lost my mind. I would have just been like, there's no way I can do this. Um, But I think it's important because uh, we all struggle with these same things. I think it is kind of universal um, in adolescence to be torn between wanting to be like everyone else and wanting to be unique. And so I hope that um, uh, readers understand that and that, um, that the people who love us understand us more than we think they do.
2: A huge thank you to Rajani for taking the time out of her busy schedule to chat with me. Thank you to Heinemann Publishing for sponsoring this episode. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode comes from the Free Music Archive. Thank you to my co-host, Travis Yonker, for helping me produce this episode. Have you ordered Travis's new book, Blue Floats Away? It is so, so good. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening.